it's it's good that if we have some tourists that have for one come for one day to the city and download go to and will use our kick scooters he is not our target audience we really focus on community of user that actually will use the service we, we have what what I call the Colgate strategy we want that you will use our twice per day today's guest is Gil laser the CEO of go to global and we're talking about their Colgate strategy and why they believe that multimodal transportation is is the type of service that customers are looking for because of its consistency. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we bring you interviews from around the industry and a little bit of technology news, all powered for you by the Harvey Nash Group. Joining me today, we've got Akish. How are you? I'm very well, sir. I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, good. Just before I hit record, um, I realized that I was teeing myself up for what I wanted to talk to you about because on my email this morning, there was an article in Wired about lockdown habits and people trying to rid themselves of, of lockdown habits when they're going back into the, into the office, yeah. like uh, people having their naps at like just after lunchtime or mid-morning showers, which obviously they weren't going to be able to do in the office. Mm. Um, and here I am sitting on a call at four o'clock on a Monday afternoon and I'm drinking Lefe. But the non-alcoholic one. Just to say, it's non-alcoholic. <laughs> but yes, but is that socially acceptable? Like if I went into the office, yeah. I'm not sure I could crack open a bottle of Lefe non-alcoholic or otherwise at my desk at four o'clock and not have someone go, is that appropriate? But what? But I don't understand. It's just a non-alcoholic drink, so it's in the yes, same it category. Is. So, but had you opened a can of diet coke at four o'clock in the afternoon, no one would say anything. Yes, so, but I don't know visually and whatever else. Does it not? Maybe I don't know. Maybe someone would have a problem with that. No, why would they have a problem, mate? You're not getting drunk, and you're just no. having a drink that you like at four o'clock in the afternoon. And also, <laughs> we're in we work in an inclusive office, so honestly. <laughs> You know, well, I'm in on Wednesday and Thursday, so um, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll take a couple of blondes in my bag. <laughs> Do exactly that, sir. Do exactly that. <laughs> Sit there at three o'clock and just get a bottle opener out. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> See I if anyone first, says anything. I remember the first time that I saw you do that. Actually, it was about it was about one p.m. on like a Tuesday afternoon or something, and but it wasn't a lefe. I think you were having some sort of like a IPA or something. And I just remember you like chugging on the can and I went, are you having a beer? And you were like, well, yeah. And then you went, and I was like, what? I was like, are you okay? And then you went, well, it is non-alcoholic. And then put it next to the thing. And I was like, all oh, right. So, very, very. In the first thing. lockdown when everything was a bit loose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But to be fair, in the first lockdown when no one knew what was happening, you were probably allowed to have a beer whenever you wanted. <laughs> well, quite a lot of people, I think, did afternoon drinking of the real variety. Yeah, Never exactly. mind the non-alcoholic variety. So. Ah, oh, yes. Um, right. One thing as well that you're going to have to get used to if you're going back into the office is a commute. And today's show is all about making commuting uh, more appealing in the 21st century. Gil Laser, CEO of uh, Go to Global, is our guest. We'll hand over to the interview. We'll come back with some comments on it afterwards. So today I'm talking to Gil Laser. Gil, you are the CEO of Go to Global. How are you this morning? Great. Thank you, Dave. CTO, uh, CEO rather, and founder or co-founder, or just have you been brought in as an exec to help the business grow? So it's uh, something in the middle. I joined six years ago, 
uh, to a company those, na- those days called Car2Go in Israel. It was a car sharing uh, company, mainly focused on operation. Uh, so with my experience and, of course, with the great team we, here, we convert the company and do kind of a, a pivot to a technology company, develop our own code. So I kind of, a, I would call kind of a, a new founder of this company. F- founded the current iteration of it. Yeah, thank you for the great definition. <laughs> <laughs> so look, very quickly, who are GoTo? If someone hasn't come across the company before, you've mentioned they're started in Israel. You're based in Tel Aviv this morning, right? So, so who are the business and, and how have you got to the position you are today? So GoTo is a, is a, is a technology company, uh, operate actually a multimodal uh, uh, mobility in three countries right now, in Spain, Malta, and in Israel. And our goal is to open more cities. Uh, actually, even this year, we will open a, a new more countries. Uh, we actually have a really unique technology, a cutting-edge technology, that we we are not a kick scooter company or a, a moped company. We are a user-centric company that focus on, on the user and want to cover all the transportation need in one simple uh, platform. So today, from our app, you can rent a bicycle, a e-bike, a kick scooters, a moped is electrical scooter, uh, cars for short and long trip, even van. Everything that you can ride on it, we can give you an access. And we develop a really uh, unique, uh, what we call a, Moodle, a middleware that we can control everything. So it's in the end, we can give a user a, a multi-access to any assets in the end. Out of interest, why... Are you multimodal versus most of the other, you know, most of the other companies that we've spoken to to this point? They are maybe e-bikes and scooters. Um, so, so, so why have they gone down that route and you've decided to go multimodal? So this is exactly the dif- dif- differentiation of GoTo from the other players in the market. As a company that you know founded 13 years ago, we understand that if we really want to win in the end this market. We cannot, you know, be a kick scooter company or a car company as we start. We need to think what the user wants because we believe that the end, the one that will win is the one that the user chooses in the end. And, and what the user wants, you want another faster kick scooter or nicer kick scooters or beautiful bike? No. We, we do a lot of uh, analysis on this market. And, and I can summarize two words. User wants simplicity and he wants confidence. He wants He wants something that, you know, today, if you want to use alternative transportation, you need to download 20 different apps. You need Bar, Beard, Lime, Uber, 20 different apps. You need to put your personal uh, uh, details in in 20 different companies, pop up the wallet with with some money in every one of them. And in the end, you don't feel any confidence because what is a, a mobility confidence, Dave? If, I don't know if you have your own car, but if you have a car and you have a key in your pocket, even it's inefficient, it's expensive, uh, you, you need, you know, it's a lot of hustle. In the end, if you need to go to your kids right now, you have some confidence. And, and this is exactly the technology that go to develop. We create a mobility confidence that anytime, anyway, and anyhow, you can move from point A to point B. And when we talk with the user, they tell us this is exactly what we want. We want a one-stop shop that can cover all the transportation needs. I can walk up in the morning and I will feel confidence that I will have an asset, the right asset near to my home. And this is why we decide not to be a, an asset company. Uh, we want to be a user-centric company that actually can give our user any transportation uh, mode. How do, you, how do you do that successfully and, I suppose, capture and then keep an audience? Because I'll be perfectly honest, my, my experience of, uh, of mobility 
apps and platforms has always been, I find myself in an infam- infam- sorry, unfamiliar city rather, and I want to get around it, and I kind of have to find out what the local app is, and I download it, and then I use it whilst I'm there, and then I leave, and I probably don't use it again. So you might pick up a user and then lose them again because, you know, you go to Lisbon and there's one particular solution, but you come back to London and, and that solution doesn't work. Or you come to London and it's like there isn't this, the, the solution that you're looking for on every single corner because it's a really big city. And I just wonder if that then leads into why you're in Spain and Malta at the moment and not other countries. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, I have multiple answers. First, <laughs> first, we have a different philosophy from all the others. We Again, we are we'll, we are don't looking for having in Madrid right now one million users. We really want mm-hmm. the one hundred thousand to really use the service. So it's it's good that if we have some tourists that have for one come for one day to the city and download go to and will use our kick scooters. He is not our target audience. We really focus on community of user that actually will use the service. We we have what what I call the Colgate strategy. We want that you will use it twice per day, and. By building this community, we even charge kind of an access fee, kind of a subscription between two to ten dollars to be part of this community. By this two dollars that you are paying, you get better availability, you get a better service, better price, of course. But what we actually need for this two euro is create kind of a barrier because we want on Monday morning that everyone need a car or a moped or a kick scooters. I cannot serve 1 million people with my asset. That's why we actually build a community of users and we increase dramatically the level of confidence. Again, what they need a user? Simplicity, one-stop shop, this is go-to. Confidence, a community that they will know that when they need a car or a moped, they will find it. That's why we build this community in every city that, that we are actually operate. And we all the time you know, testing the relationship with amount of assets that we have, the demand, the unfulfilled demand, because again, we want Dave that when you will walk up in the morning, you will feel confident. Then when you will open go to you, you will find the right assets. And we have tons of technology to do it. And I will happy to, to tell you about it. So why, why Spain and Malta? Is it just to do with, with where perhaps some of your employees are based or, you know, is it, is it that you looked at those countries and thought these these are communities that we can easily build a platform in? So it's 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 a it's a nice story. So we started in Israel 13 years ago as a car sharing company, and when I joined, we understand that, that we need to change the company. So we start to develop our own technology, start to offer more and more services, and build this community, and we prove this is working. In one end, we are the one of the only company in, in this industry that actually make money. We are profitable. And when we said, okay, we know how to do it, but this is our home city, so let's start to do it abroad. So without to go to another fundraising, we opened Malta. Malta is a nice island, small island, but have a lot of transportation problem. Uh, and we understand that by using our technology, we can solve our, uh, uh, the, tr- the transportation pub- problem in Malta and prove to ourselves, to the shareholder, that we can work out of Israel. And after we have a great success in Malta, we understand, okay, what will be the next market? And in, in Madrid is one of the important uh, uh, cities in our industry. A lot of competition in one end, but a lot of user because of the city actually have a lot of regulation of owning your own car. I don't know if you know, Dave, but in, in the city center, you cannot be, you can only use electric car. So most of, and you don't have any parking spots. So most of the people that live in the city center don't, don't own a car. So it's become like a, a great experience for us. Said, okay, this is a city with a lot of supply, but also huge demand. 
if we can win Madrid, you know, like Frank, Frank Sinatra said, if you win New York, you can win it all. So we said it in, on Madrid. If, there, if we will win Madrid, we can be in every big city in Europe. But this is why we're going for a small island like Malta to the biggest on the important market in, in Spain. And after we prove that our, our product can actually beat uh, other players in the market, what we call a mono-vertical uh, uh, services, now we are ready for the next markets and we will open Germany, Italy and uh, Netherlands in the in the current months. So you've mentioned the technology a couple of times. I'm assuming that the technology tells you, obviously, how many units are being used, where they're being picked up, where they're being left. How, how though, beyond that, because I imagine that's something that's available to, to most of your competition in this space. What about the technology kind of do you think gives you an edge? So so the advantage, like, in our business is the data. So how... how how we differentiate from the others? Again, we need to bring Dave uh, a better availability because this is what uh, this is what actually go and influence on the on the confidence that I mentioned already a few times in this call. So, what we actually the advantage that go to have that we see how Dave drive not only on a car or on a moped because we have a multi-model vision. We we know when you use a kick scooters or a moped. Or, uh, so we can know our AI. Let's assume that everyone have the same AI tool. We have better data than they all the others. So our, our, our a possibility to create an optimization to the fleet is higher. So what we are doing, we're actually doing a few things. One, we can influence on the availability of the asset by pricing. So we can reduce or you know give you some discount on the price. So if we know that the car is going to stock for three three hours in, I don't know, in, in, in some area of the city. So we reduce them automatically the price and then we can increase the utilization. The other thing at night, because we also do the operation at night when we're going to charge the car or to clean the car. So we actually know to take it from point A, do whatever we need to do. And in the end, to put it in, in point B, because we know that they will walk up in eight o'clock in the morning and need, he need a car. So of course, we all the time analyze the demand and the unfulfilled demand and create kind of optimi optimization of the fleet. So by having better data on, on, on one side and having our own operation, we increase the availability of our assets. Now, you mentioned there that you're looking to expand, in, expand sorry, into Germany and into the Netherlands. And Italy also. And Italy. Yeah. Now, obviously, I'm in the UK, so I'm a little bit kind of biased or perhaps narrow in my view about what the pandemic has done. And certainly in the UK, what we're seeing is we're seeing huge migration of people out of cities, and, and that might prevent some interesting challenges, not only for the cities, but also for mobility in this country. But why have you picked those cities? Why have you picked Italy? Why have you picked the Netherlands? And why have you picked Germany? And, and what has the effect of the pandemic been on European cities? Because I imagine, maybe naively, that it's quite different to the effect on, on British cities because we just have a completely different, I, I suppose, relationship with our, with our urban centers. Exactly. So what we did here in GoTo, we actually built a great uh, a group of smart people that actually came from, from the biggest mobility company in the world, like BlaBlaCar, like Get, like Car2Go, like Mobike. And our global team actually do a deep analysis on the 100 biggest cities in, in Europe. And we create kind of a ranking. What, what, which city actually fits to our product? Where is the demand is high? What is the regulation status uh, uh, competition? And we chose uh, Germany, we chose Milano, for example, because we see the, right now the, the position of the market, because what is the advantage, Dave, in our product? I don't need to teach you to use e-bike. I don't need to teach you to, to use a, a shared mobility or shared mo a moped. You already use it. We just give you a better service, a better package 
you know, in, in one stop shop. And in the end, by, by having that, we can give you, you know, more incentive. So we go into a market, mature market that already have this demand and just give an offer, our, offer the user. So all of the city that we actually going to uh, penetrate, the cities already work and working good. And we know, and we do an, an, a, a survey before, we know that the users, 75% of them already use multimodality. It's mean not, it's only, only 25% using only one vertical. Most of the people use multi-vertical. So we said, hey, anyhow, you, you come to a shop, you buy, you need, you need vegetable, you need milk, you need meat, buy everything in, in one-stop shop. Buy, we are the supermarket of mobility. So because we are a supermarket, we know that we can win any, any local market like that. So those are, those are the reasons that we choose Germany and we, we choose Berlin, Hamburg, Munich. It's a city that uh, shared mobility working really good. Same in Milano, same in, in Amsterdam. UK is different, okay, mainly because of regulation, okay, because our goal is to, to launch at least four services, micromobility, mopeds, uh, cars for long and, and uh, short trip. We really use the Horizon 2020 that gives us the ability to park for free because we use electric car. So it's also, you know, really, really important for us. Uh, so because we're using an electric car, so most of those cities give a free parking spot for, for an for a, a EV car. So that's why we choose those cities. But the potential is for GoTo is great. We have almost 100 cities on our map that we can operate. So it's a huge potential for, for GoTo. You mentioned uh, earlier in the interview the regulations around uh, cities with regards to some cities only allowing electric cars, some cities not having parking spaces for cars and so on. How do you think we're going to see the evolution of mobility in, in cities? Um, and are there any models out there? Are there any cities where you go, you know what, they're kind of onto something and other cities are beginning to go, yeah, that works. Uh, especially, I suppose, with the, with the pressures that we all ha- are fully aware of around climate change. So, so I think, and, and we said for, for for the last decades, city in one end failed to give the citizen the basic needs for move from point A for, to point B. We see it, you know, our city is flooded, parking parking jam, pollution, not enough parking spots. So they actually looking for alternative uh, solution. The the I think what, what for us, what, what is nice that, that those cities actually understand that the formula of ownership is not working anymore. Every uh, citizen cannot own a, a one car. And by having, by having that, it's actually create a great potential for us. So we see right now more and more cities actually uh, pull out from the city the, the, the cars and try to give their, their citizen an alternative transportation. Of course, public transportation is really, really important in this puzzle. But I think you, when you understand that your user is multimodal and he have different needs, sometimes he can use a bike and sometimes he can use a car and sometimes he can use a moped. But in the end, he have those multi needs. So for companies like GoTo is, a, again, a great potential. And, and today when we talk with mayors, they said, OK, this is exactly what we want because we are building, again, a community. The community is good for the user, but it's also good for the city because we can, when we talk with the mayor, we can, you know, promise them an SLA. If, because we have a 24-7 people on the ground from the service side and from the operation side, so if something happened, you know, some bike fold, you know, in the middle of the street, you know, in, in one hour, we can be there and fix it. So we are not, you know, using the gig economy that people will will re, will charge our assets. We're doing everything in-house. So this is why in every city that we are talking, they say, okay, this is exactly what we want, a one-stop shop. 
In the future, we will also integrate to public transportation. It's mean from our wallet, and we didn't talk about go to wallet yet. From our wallet that you pay today on cars and mopeds, and you can also use and pay on the public transportation in the city. So as an owner of, of this mobility, I, I think the future for us is great. And, and we will see the cities, you know, using more and more alternative, alternative transportation because it's the infrastructure that we need is really, you don't, they don't need to, to invest a lot of money to build an alternative transportation solution like, like GoTo. Let, let's finish on that point because um, I think that's a really interesting one. Uh, you know, using data and, and, and the, the, I suppose the, the processes that you described, I can see how scalable it is. But you are in a very competitive market space and there are a range of different um, uh, kind of transportation offers out there. And if you're in one city or one country, you, you only have a view of, of the ones that are on the ground there. So how important is that relationship with city administrators, with with mayors who increasingly have a lot of of power within cities in the, in, in the 21st century, and also with the ability to partner with public transport as a way to, to really own and, and to make an impact on a local market. So first, first again, we, we like competition because we never can serve all the user alone. So we will, you know, we succeed more when Uber in the city, where you have a taxi service, good public transportation. So we need those alternative transportation because our real competition is to owning your own car. So this is really important to understand. In the end, it's not, you know, it's not a direct competition with ride-hailing, for example, because we are 70% cheaper. So if you are a one-timer and you want to use Uber and it's going to cost you $10 this ride, so it's great. But using GoTo, it's cost you only $3, so it's 70% less. So if you are a daily commuter and you're doing twice per day, so in the end, it's much cheaper. We see right now, in the end, because we have a different approach from the other, so we actually going and, and deep dive in every city. We build this community. We are the biggest player in every market because we have multiple assets. So by building this community, we see the, the, the connection with the, the city is really important. Even we don't need, in most of the city, you don't need uh, you know, any permits for, from, from, from the city to work. But we believe that in the end, we're part of the ecosystem of the city. So we believe that we need to have a good relationship with them. That's why we also build an API. So we actually give them the data. So if they want to understand, I don't, I, I didn't emphasize about Dave, but just understand every time that you push on the gas, we know it. Every time you push on the brakes, we know it. So we actually use these tons of data that we collect to the city, of course, not the personal data, but how you drive to give them a lot of uh, 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 information on the city. Because if most of the people actually stop in the same place, maybe some there's, there's an all of on the road, for example. So we actually reflect those data to the city as, and, and, and they can actually improve the infrastructure for them. So the connection with the municipality is important. It's not a must, but again, we are part of the ecosystem. We are part of the community. So we're here to, to give the, your citizen a better way to move. That's why we believe in this relationship. Well, look, it's, it's been really interesting talking to you today. I, I think it's a, it's a fascinating area just from the, the way that cities are evolving, the way that communities are evolving, but also obviously with technology itself at the forefront and, and sustainability uh, with the environment in mind. So I really appreciate you giving up some time. And I hope that those launches in the Netherlands, in Germany and, and, and in Italy go well. Thank you very much, Dave. It was fun to talk with you. Uh, there's some, there's lots of quotable bits in this. Um, I do like the piece about this not being about the tourist. He is not our target audience, followed up quickly by, 
This is a Colgate strategy. We want people to use us twice a day. Hmm. Hmm. And I like that. I think it's I think it's also very brave that they that they're actually wanting to have this product and service as someone's like go to. Do you know what I mean? And and mm-hmm. being part of someone's life. So and especially we've talked about it before about like um you know cleaner cities and energy efficient cities and that sort of thing if if people are not kind of having cars or having you know their usual mode of transport then they can definitely go down this route and be used twice so it just kind of depends right i think where where you live what you like to do the weather as well maybe i mean mm-hmm. i don't know i wouldn't want to be on a scooter in like november december time in london when it's like cold wet windy I don't know. So maybe where they are at the moment, in terms of like Madrid, for example, pretty nice place, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although that said, I can imagine the German cities are a bit more climatized. Sorry, climatically is that a word? Yeah. Uh, but they're more aligned to our our kind of uh, environment weather-wise. But it's funny, isn't it? A lot of this show obviously centers around organizations and companies around southeastern london Mm. and here is one that is almost um not anti-london because that's not true or fair but thinking about how it operates a service in a completely different environment that just wouldn't work in london Mm. and actually i think that's perhaps to london's detriment the idea that we are very wedded to traditional mobility in London, perhaps because of the fact that we all live in suburbs and we live in commuter towns and we don't live in cities, whereas the Europeans, you know, you look at Paris, you look at the, the, the Spanish cities that I've been to. I've not been to Madrid, but certainly Barcelona, for example. Uh, the Italian cities that I've been to are very much in that traditional mould of people who live in city centres, close to work, and you could probably walk it, but the idea of jumping on a on a bike or a scooter is therefore so much more convenient and, and manageable. Mm, yeah, exactly. And, and also, it it is something that they see as enhancing, you know, their kind of commute, or it would help save a bit of time and be a bit of an experience. And I think if I was to kind of relay it back to London a little bit, or what I know, I mean. Like, like you said, trying to get away from the tourist places. You I mean, you've got those kind of Boris bikes where initially they were more for like the tourist folk that used to come into London. And, yeah. You know, it was all fun and games and they used to be having a selfie from one hand and, and riding the bike with the other. But now there's more and more Londoners, I think, that use those as a mode of transport. So, you know. But it's only a, a relatively small amount of the population can do that because I think mm. I think Gil makes a really interesting point around the fact that, you know, what, what does the customer want? The customer wants simplicity and they want confidence. Mm. And fine, if you happen to live on the Isle of Dogs mm. um, and you're cycling into the city, you can mm. have confidence that you will probably pick up a Boris bike. But there's lots of places in London where you couldn't say with any degree of certainty that walking out of your flat or your home in the morning, yeah. you could definitely find a Boris bike yeah. um, to get you to work. And therefore you'd be looking for an alternative mode of transport and that confidence would be cut. Mm. Yeah, that's true because I, I, I can't get one where I live and I only live in zone three, so I'm not too far out. I mean, mm. you know, I can get an Uber that takes me into London bridge in 25 minutes, but 
you know, trying to get a Boris bike from where I live is is near on impossible. So I lived in zone two yeah. and couldn't get one yeah. with any certainty or reliability. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think I think having something like this product will definitely help and also it, it just it, it just becomes a lot easier i think mm. and, and i'm a bit of a lazy guy when it comes to like you know life in, in general but <laughs> i think i think i think i think having i think having something like this as a as a as a product and for you to use he mentioned something about you know just simplicity right and and mm just being simple, having one kind of platform and you're able to then just kind of do everything off there. Um, which is why, you know, for people like myself, who I'm sure there's plenty, you just want it in front of you, there, ready to use and, and kind of crack on. Well, he talks about the fact that we are the supermarkets of mobility, doesn't he? Hmm. Hmm. Which, so, yeah. Which I think is, is great. And, and regardless of whether you're at home or if you go away into another city and they're they're being able to you know you're able to use them then i think it's just it just makes things a lot easier um yeah and 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 as a person or anyone really but you know you don't want that extra hassle or extra stress so you just kind of you know you'd rather have it in one place so i think it's ideal mm. Mm. what do you think about this idea i had a quick look at this um this idea that regulation might be something that's that's an issue for the uk as well it talks about the fact that you know in most cities Parking is free for electric vehicles. Mm. And I thought, well, does that mean, therefore, that it's not free for electric vehicles in the UK? Mm. Had a quick look online. And, um, yeah, in, in London, uh, there are only some areas where there's free parking for electric vehicles. It's not something that's kind of um, reserved yeah. uh, for, for low emission or mm. for, for, for EVs. And that's definitely something that we could, we could work on immediately to try and improve and make us more more attractive for multimodality and mobility rather and, and and transport in the 21st century i think i think all the government owned places will probably be free but what you've got in london again but in a lot of other cities in the uk you've got a lot of these private you know organizations or firms that own large kind of multi-story car parks or areas where you can park your car and therefore whether you're driving a I don't know, a, a V12 Lamborghini or you're driving a, a Tesla, you're still paying the same amount of money for, you know, your parking. So I think in order for, for us to move in the right direction, the national infrastructure needs to be addressed somewhat or looked at. And then, you know, kind of that allows those people who are adhering or, or who are, you know, helping the economy with their mode of transport mm -hmm. to then at least use that more efficiently and then for others like myself who hasn't got a car that is is kind of hybrid or, or electric um you know you can use other modes of transport which will allow you to do do a better job so, yeah. it makes you realize that we've got a long way to go on this front you know the idea of cities pulling out from the car as he talks about that's not where this country is. And you listen to Gil talk and you listen to him talk about, you know, cities where 75% of users use two modes of transport or more, um, you know, that Colgate strategy. Um, and we we have a long, long way to go here. We do. And we also have, we're also a, a, a stopping, uh, you know, kind of location for plenty around the world as well. So I think, mm -hmm. 
you know, it, all you have to do is go into the West End on a on a Saturday night or a Friday night, and you'll see people from all parts of the world. And it's a bit of a, you know, kind of a lot of these people like to show off with possessions, and a lot of these possessions are very very expensive cars, which aren't always the the most you know world friendly or environmentally friendly pieces of kit. So. You know, London's got that culture. I don't ever think we'll be out of that culture, if I'm honest. I think they will be, um, I think that they will come down hard on those people, if I'm honest. But, you know, the, the thing is, we, we definitely have a long way to get better, but I don't think we'll be at that number yet, no. or ever, really, in my lifetime. Maybe in the future, I don't know. But I can't see it happening. Well, look, Gil, thank you for being our guest on today's show. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to carry on our conversation about mobility. We're going to carry on our conversation about environment uh, or environmentally friendly vehicles and electric vehicles. Uh, So stick with us and we'll be back in a moment. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. But last night, for a laugh, um, I was sat with my family watching uh, videos on YouTube of the best places to live in the UK, right? Right. On that list, um, Chelmsford... Very odd. Don't know why Chelmsford is on that list. I've been to Chelmsford. I mean, it's 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 okay, but I don't think it's in the top ten places to live in the country. Mm. Uh, randomly, places in Derbyshire again. You know, uh, York was number two. You'd kind of go, okay, mm. fine, yeah, York city. Guess where number one was? This was aimed at Americans, by the way. Best places to live. Where was number one best place to live in the UK? I'm going in the south somewhere. Uh, I'm going to go, I don't know, somewhere near the coast. Brighton, Bournemouth. No, so number one, according to this American YouTube channel, was Orkney. Orkney? Orkney. Where's that? Orkney is an island off the tip of northern Scotland. Oh, right. So I was in the complete wrong area. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that it's just made us all go... What? Orkney. Nowhere near anything. No real, like, just absolutely mental. Is that okay? like Balmoral? Is that, is that near there? Or no, 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 no. Just there? keep going. Just keep going. Oh, keep, wow. keep going further into the wilds and then across the sea a bit and then onto a tiny, remote, wind-battered island oh, that has God. very little. Yes, very odd choice to tell people the number one place to live in the UK <laughs> is Orkney. Uh, however... This made me chuckle. And then today I opened up uh, the paper and had a look. And lo and behold, there's a story uh, about a writer who toured Orkney in the world's first all-electric camper van. Wow. Okay. I was like, it's fate. The stars are aligning. So I thought we'd talk about the world's first electric camper van, um, which looks like it's a Nissan. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, and this is the Scottish island. Uh, basically, the Scottish island is leading the way in sustainable energy. Uh, now, greener way for tourists to visit. So, um, home to 200 known Neolithic sites. This is Orkney, by the way. Uh, with on average three sites of archaeological interest per square mile, Orkney has become something of a byword for ancient Britain, with at least three quarters of the nine, 100, sorry, the 193,000 annual visitors pre-pandemic coming to see a collection of relics from our ancestors. Um, so that's that's kind of why people go. Yeah, we weren't gazing at the standing stones of Stennis yeah. uh, or a stone circle. We were finding a more modern structure, the wind turbine on the Isle of South Ronaldsey, watching its chai blades wear and whoosh. That's because despite the earthworks that have and continue to be discovered on this remote archipelago, I can never say that word, archipelago, there we go, something yeah. like that, an yeah. island basically, 10 miles across the Pentland Firth from Scotland's northeastern coast. People on these 70 islands are passionate not only about preserving and showcasing an old way of life, but about pioneering a new one. Ooh. And basically what this goes down to is that they've gone and stuck the infrastructure in. So if I skip a whole load of stuff about the camper van and about plugging it in and about what she did with the sun, which is all very lovely, um, with renewable energy already powering the island, um, the car and passenger ferries due to be run by emission-free hydrogen and electric flights proposed to connect it with the rest of Scotland. It seems that here on Orkney, history is beginning to repeat itself. Um, so with renewable energy already powering the island, car and passenger ferries due to be run by emission-free hydrogen and electric flights proposed to connect it with the rest of Scotland. It seems that here on Orkney, history is starting to repeat itself. And it just struck me again because we were having that conversation with Chloe about Jersey and about how islands, little islands, were really nice kind of test cases for uh, renewable energy. Uh, Orkney's gone and put the infrastructure in. Just thought it was really interesting. Very good. And also, I've just Googled it, mate. It is a very, very pretty place. I mean, I don't know about kind of good places or whatever that YouTube video was, but I mean... It's... Best places to live in the UK. Yeah, it's a bit yeah, random for that, I'll mean, be it's, honest. It's bloody stunning, though, to be fair. Um, and I also saw that the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge opened an hospital there earlier this year, which, uh, you know, is obviously putting them on the map. Um, I'll be honest, though, mate, you, you with your love of cricket, I can't imagine they've got no, much of a cricket season. No, I, I can't imagine that at all, mate, to be honest. But... Uh, not nice place to go and visit, to be honest. Like, because <laughs> randomly, I mean, you can then just say, oh, "I've been to Orkney," and not a lot of people have. I bet, like, most of my people, I reckon, on my phone's contact list probably have never heard of it, let alone been there. Well, when I got married, my stag do was in Glasgow, and half my stag do had never been to Scotland, never mind Orkney. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. So, I uh, yeah, no, but I, also I, I think with with islands like that. To be honest, I think it's great because they they probably have the perception from city folk like us to be like, oh, they're probably a bit old school and probably still living in like the Amish times and stuff like that and ride. And horses. then you find out that literally everything is powered by elect by electric. Yeah. Ferries, cars, the entire island, yeah. green electricity, and electric flights. I mean, that's pretty kind of advanced. That's chaos, that is. And, and also, they're probably living in a lot fresher and cleaner air than we are. Oh, 100%. Like, like, do you know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. So, in fact, who's winning? I reckon they are probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, come the full circle. Actually, that video knew what it was talking about. Yeah. I mean, I mean Providing you don't like cricket, yeah. the theatre. Work, work in a city. 
company and I don't think there's going to be a great choice of restaurants in Orkney uh, if no, you don't like I mean I imagine there'll be some brilliant fresh seafood but if what's, that you what's, know what's the, what's the average age of someone in Orkney I reckon hold on he's, he's googling it listeners right for the benefit of the tape average age of someone in Orkney is 44.6 is that old I mean Hang on, hang on. I mean, we need to we need to compare that average age uh, of UK population. And according to this, there are zero percent of foreigners in all. Okay, so it's zero percent. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't know where they've got this stat from. Uh, so the median age in years in the UK in 2020 was 40.5. So it's a little bit older than the UK mm. average. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, it's crazy. Then there's eleven thousand two hundred forty-five homes in Orkney, and also they're called dwellings in that part of the world. <laughs> Not homes, dwellings. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. Anyway, this is uh, right. Yeah, this is. But great. <laughs> if you want to go somewhere for an electric vehicle, um, sustainable, uh, guilt-free. And beautiful holiday, mm, mm. Orkney is surprisingly the place with the infrastructure to make it happen for you. Exactly, exactly. Have a you know, set yourself up a little dwelling for a short term basis and uh, come back refreshed. Airbnb, Airbnb a dwelling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care, I'm not Give you the satisfaction